now the Trail Talk Podcast. Anything and everything snowmobiling by UpstateSnow.com with Rich Lupia and Zachary Lupia. And welcome to our Trail Talk Podcast here at UpstateSnow.com. This is Rich Lupia here. This is going to be an interesting journey for us. We have several interesting people in snowmobiling. Some of them I don't know as well. Some of them, like my first guest, I know very well. He is one of my close personal friends, and he is a big name in snowmobiling in the Adirondacks. His name is Darren Har, Mr. ILSnow.com. You know, our, our friendship dates back to about 2012. At that point, I'd been running my website, IL Snow, for a good 12, you know, 13 years-ish. You know, I don't exactly recall how our friendship got started. I think maybe it was some emails, like, going back and forth. I came to the realization that he had a similar background to me in terms of our our professional training, we're both uh, degreed uh, atmospheric scientists, uh, meteorologists from SUNY Albany. Uh, you were, I think you were a few years behind me, so our paths never really crossed in college, but I, I think we were just kind of aware of each other, you know, through uh, what we were doing. You know, one day uh, it became known to me that you wanted to uh, start a, a a website, which would become upstatesnow.com, and I I thought it was a fantastic idea because uh, I was focused on doing meteorology, a weather forecast for my neck of the woods, the central Adirondacks. And you wanted to do something that was more um, general for upstate New York. And I thought that was really cool because although it was something that I had kind of thought about doing, um, you know, quite honestly, I didn't feel comfortable enough to step out and, and do that. I was more comfortable with just being the master of my domain in the central Adirondacks. The master <laughs> of the universe. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I thought it was just an amazing idea. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, there was a small part of me that thought, hey, you know, this guy's this guy's going to go into my territory a little bit and, and take my lunch from me. <laughs> you know, that's, that's always a, that's always a small concern, but, um, you know, I, I do believe in the end that, you know, I wanted, you know, this was something I wanted to step out of my comfort zone a little bit and, and help it get off the ground. And, you know, to heck with my little petty concerns as to what upstate snow might do to my traffic or whatever. I, you know, I had plenty of traffic at that point. You know, I didn't, I'm just, some, I just said, heck with it. I'm, I'm going to help the, this guy out and uh, just see where it goes. And I think one of the things that really um, attracted me to you in terms of a friendship was how much of a gregarious personality you are. And it's just, it just, it's just infectious. It's like, hi, I'm Rich Lupia. You know, it's just like, oh, it just, wow. it just, it, you know, you see the needle and it just goes up a little bit. It just makes, it just made me feel a little bit alive. You know, you know, my, my personality over the years is always a, you know, I'm a calculated risk taker. You know, when I'm in a room with other people, I'm sizing them up. You know, it's like you see that you ever see the Terminator where he walks into a room and he's sizing people up. It's just like, by okay. the way, it's one of Darren's favorite movie series. And that, I'll be back. Have you seen the new Ter- Terminator movie, by the way? I, I haven't yet. I haven't gotten around what? to seeing. No, I. How? I, I, I don't know. I'm just. 
<laughs> I'm just busy with all my other concerns. I, I'm stuck back with the, you know, the ter- the Terminator 2 and all that, you know. But, you know, it's like I walk into a room and I'm sizing up people and I don't really say anything unless people start talking to me. And then you open me up a little bit. And heaven forbid you get me talking about something I'm really interested in. You can't shut me up at that point. <laughs> but you're the kind of person that you just walk into a room and you just talk to people right away. And it it really it really got me thinking about doing things I'm not quite as comfortable comfortable with and stepping out of my comfort zone a little bit and trying out new things. And I think people who have followed me on IL Snow from the very beginning. Some of them thought I was just a computer server somewhere, in, you know, someone's basement. <laughs> and I, no, he's not working from his mother's basement. <laughs> that I can assure you of. But um, I, I think, you know, I, I think as my friendship with you has developed, I've become more comfortable putting myself out there, you know, taking pictures of myself, putting them on my Facebook page. And, you know, more people are starting to recognize me now from, yeah. you know, from pictures I've posted. So I've really... I think it would be a long ways to be to stretch myself to be the point where it's like, hey, I'm Darren Har, you know, and just be as outgoing as you. But it's just not you. It's no, just not it's, you. the thing is, I've I have found out that I am uh, close to the vest personality. You know, I'm you know, I take risks, but it's a calculated risk. And like I said, I size up the situation first before I jump in there. And I think my superpower is. I'm able to go into a room with, you know, with a crowd of people and have nobody know I'm there for like 15 or 20 minutes before I finally introduce myself. And they're like, you just got in here. I'm like, no, I've been like behind you for the past 15 minutes. You just didn't know it. <laughs> but um, uh, Only but, only when I moved to Southern Nevada back in 2005 to 2008 did I actually get that feeling. It's very difficult for me to walk into any room for almost anything in upstate New York and not have at least one or two people recognize me for my years at WKTV or the different media companies that I've worked at or even the upstate snow venture from the first time around or or coming back around uh, this time. I'm still trying to get over the uh, – I don't think the, anyone in my lifetime has ever given me the term gregarious. <laughs> but uh, I, I guess it's all relative. I mean, it, to, to me, you're a very gregarious, outgoing energetic person, you know, extrovert, you know, you're certainly more extroverted than I am. And I think, you know, in terms of introvert or extrovert, I think there's a simple test for that. You know, if you're an introvert like me, you recharge by just hanging out and being alone. Uh, recently, I was on vacation for nine days, and I spent the vast majority of it here. I don't know if you ever seen office space and the, yes. and, and the co-workers like, you know, what did you do on your day off? He's like, I did absolutely nothing. And it was everything I thought it would be. <laughs> now you multiply that by, by nine days. Yeah, that recharged my batteries. And with the flooding that we had recently, I was actually stranded back here at my house for, I think I was truly stranded for about a day and a half. And it didn't phase me at all. I loved it. Now my family got a little, they got a little stir crazy, but, uh, yeah, I loved it. So, <laughs> if you're next, you would, you would never yeah. guess that I'm. You would never guess that I'm truly an introvert. You know, I think it's more of the professional training that I've had mm-hmm. in media and the fact I've worked in media for so long, and I've worked in sales and marketing, and 
I've had to put myself out there and introduce myself and uh, engage in conversations, but maybe I just do a good job of hiding the fact on the inside that I'm scared to death half the time, especially because I know that that outgoing personality and the fact that I do things with energy and enthusiasm because I love life and because mm-hmm. I love the things that uh, you know I've been blessed with in my life, snowmobiling, of course, being one of them. Uh, there are a lot of people that take it the wrong way. There are a lot of people that, uh, you know, that think it comes across as arrogant or a little bit too forward or threatening, and they respond as such, and it can create some situations that are even more uncomfortable than just first walking into the room. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, and I, I've encountered that with with my website, you know, back in the day when the bulletin board was a bigger thing on my website. Thank goodness those things aren't anymore. But um, anyway, it's just like, yeah, there were people that went on my website and they thought they could just start disrespecting other people on the website, on the bulletin board and just start trashing me. And it's just like, hey, this is my online house and you just got to respect other people. And you can't you can't crap on the host, and um, you know I was I was very assertive about that, and it's just like there are certain lines that you're not going to cross w- with me, and you know people took that the wrong way, and there were some people I banned from my bulletin board because they just they just couldn't re- you know respect the parameters I set forward, just just respect others, you know respect the host. We can disagree, you know, it's, you know, half, you know, people thought, you know, some people thought I just banned people 90% of the time, and, you know, 95% of the time, I just let the conversations go. And, you know, the few times the old sheriff had to come in and fix things, you know, when it, when it came to my website, I was very assertive in, in protecting uh, the standard I set for it. And I think in the end, I, I think the vast majority of the people we're very happy about that because the the web traffic uh, bear you know bears it out, and you know today I look at my web stats and in the course of the winter, you know I get a, anywhere from twenty to thirty unique uh, ter- twenty to thirty thousand unique visitors a month, which is just just mind blowing. And how many people are in the town of Indian Lake? Just the town. Forget the forget the hamlet. Uh, the year-round population of the whole township is about like twelve hundred or twelve hundred and fifty people. You know, one thousand two hundred fifty. So, you get you know twenty or thirty thousand people interested in about the little thing that I'm doing around Indian Lake. Now, granted, they're not all they're not all interested about Indian Lake snowmobiling. A lot of them, you know, right. a lot of them actually or expatriates of Indian Lake who have moved to Florida or Texas or whatever, and they just want to see what's going on in Indian Lake. So And laugh about the cold and snow and right. everything. You know, so they, they've, they've, they've kind of advocated that. Right. They kind of want to have a glimpse of what's going on. And I think a lot of them are just like, yeah, look at all the snow that I'm avoiding by living down in Texas now or <laughs> the Carolinas. It's like we don't have to endure that anymore. Uh, so, yeah. But, yeah. you know, but, but the way that you've presented the website uh, and the way that you've been assertive, especially with the bulletin boards and maintaining order, even when people wanted to create disorder and chaos, it was really, um, I was definitely one of those people behind the scenes that for years, you didn't even know it. I, I was like, wow, this is an awesome guy. And I got great respect for him. 
And you had no idea that I was a fan for many years before we even met, going back to the early 2000s when I was uh, starting to get into snowmobiling, starting to do a snowmobile report at WKTV uh, as a feature to go along with the weathercasts, and also just um, following things in general. And I was involved with Penn Mountain at the time, and we had issues with the uh, bulletin board at that point to where, uh, you know, the personal attacks and the, the, the viciousness got so much, I just stepped back and I said, that's it, I'm out. And I never returned to a bulletin board after that. And that was really, you know, that was really sad. So I'm glad that you held that. But yeah, I was a big fan of yours all those years. And even when I was in Nevada, I would follow what was going on. I would look at the different club pages and I would look at IL Snow and I'd be like, wow, okay, though. So, so that's what's going on. Kind of made me a little homesick. So <laughs> upon returning to upstate New York at the end of 2008 and in the subsequent years after that, I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe we'll meet up one day or something. It'd be yeah. kind of cool to, you know, to meet him. Yeah. And then I get this email in the middle of summer of 2010. It was July of 2010. I think I still have it on my Yahoo email. Oh, you're, that's cool. Yeah. And I st- think I still have it there. Hey, it'd be kind of cool if I could meet you sometime. And it just like came out of nowhere. And I'm like, that was Darren Har. That was Mr. I.L. Snow. He's a pretty big guy. And I responded, and it went completely into uh, into uh, a cyber hole somewhere. I think it's yeah. still. I think that message is still trying to find its way through the Yahoo servers back to uh, this the, uh, this room that we're broadcasting from uh, in Indian Lake here at the end of 2019, as fate would have it. And as you said, uh, you know, 2012 when I started putting together Upstate Snow and conceiving the idea, it was a mutual friend of ours that had introduced us and. We uh, we got together. Uh, I made the journey up here, uh, and I uh, pulled into the driveway, and he was kind of standing out like he was uh, guarding his territory, and yeah. <laughs> uh, making sure that uh, you know he was sizing me up. I can vouch for everything that he said. It is one hundred percent true, and I will tell you that those first few minutes that we were face to face with each other, we smiled. We really wanted to like each other, but it was a little awkward. He did not want to like me, and I did not want to like him right away because we've been hurt before. We've gone through stuff before. And, uh, you know, after you have those scars, uh, you have a tendency to be a little bit more careful and a little bit more measured. But uh, by the grace of God, uh, we just let the conversations naturally flow and, uh, you know, look to the things that uh, we had in common to unite us and give great conversation points. And gosh, I couldn't even get out of there at the end of the afternoon after four or five hours. You couldn't pull me away from there. My wife was like, where'd you go? Are you okay? <laughs> and that was, as they say, the rest is history from there. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's it's always tough to, you know, whether it's a project or meeting someone, it's just, just starting, you know, just saying hi, just starting to, con- you know, let the conversation flow. Because I think always in the back of my mind, there's always the fear of, oh, what if this guy thinks I'm a total loser? <laughs> you know, because I never be, because now it's just like now that reminded me, it's like, yeah, I was the one that reached out to you. It's like, what if this guy came up from his house, which was two hours away? And what if he thinks I'm just like a total goober? <laughs> you know, it's just like you're just just reluctant. You know, it's like just. Oh my goodness! What happens if I just totally act like a like a total dweeb? But um, you know, I think um, you being the, the 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 person that you are, more versed with 
outgoing conversation, I think that really helped us start to 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 bond as friends. And I think that that just really just you know started it all. You know, it's a it's a friendship that hasn't been forced. It's 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 totally organic. And the cool thing is we had a similar enough background as meteorologists. I think that just kind of kicked it off. And it, it's it's funny because. We're similar in a lot of ways, but in some ways we're oh we're, we're quite, totally different. We're quite different. Oh you know? yeah, and, and it's I, just like I, I know where you're going with oh, this one. I think so, but why don't you uh, throw it out there and see what I'm see if you guessed? Yankees win. Yeah, the Yankees win. You mean the Yankees lose? Ah, uh, so yes, it is possible, folks. Uh, if you're a Yankees fan or if you're a Red Sox fan. You are listening to a podcast in which a diehard Yankee fan, fourth generation, and Red Sox, what, third generation? No, I'm I'm, a Red, I'm a Red Sox, uh, actually a, a first generation fan, but it's skipped. See, my my grand my grandfather on my mom's side was a Red Sox fan. Whole rest of the family was were Yankee fans. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, I would wait when my parents uh, separated. I moved from Indian Lake. We moved down to Philmont, New York, which was where my mom's side of the family was. Right. So, you know, a little known fact about me is that my roots run as deep in Philmont as they do in Indian Lake. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we lived right next to my grandparents' house. And my father always watched uh, Red Sox games on TV 38. And I was always the homebody. So I stayed home. Mm-hmm. You know, my my mom never had to worry about where I went Saturday night. I was down at my grandfather's house watching Red Sox games. And the thing that um, that really got me to be a Red Sox fan, he would tell me about this ball player named Ted Williams. And he and Ted Williams were the same age. I think they were born like both in 1918. And he would tell me these stories about this guy that were just unbelievable. Like, you know, he had such you know, plate discipline. If, if, you know, if Ted Williams went, let the ball go by the umpire, just called it a ball. And he would just tell me these stories that were just unbelievable. And then I remember one year he, um, you know, I think him and yeah, Grammy and Poppy got me this book. It was like, it's sitting right there on my bookshelf, actually Boston Red Sox. Oh yeah. I see yeah, it right see there. That? Um, the, the binder is probably pretty much broken on it. Mm-hmm. And I always see these stats you know, you know, back when I was growing up, you would have Wade Boggs and Tony Gwynn batting 350, but they'd hit nine or 10 home runs a year. And on the other side of it, you would have Reggie Jackson or Mike Smith hitting 35, 40 home runs plus a year. But they'd be batting like 250, 260. Right, 265. But Ted Williams, he'd bat 350 and hit 35 or 40 home runs every year. And it was just amazing. He'd walk like 100, you know, 100 you know, over a hundred times a year. Probably and, one of the most disciplined hitters of all time. Yeah. And he was the last batter to uh, hit over 400 in a single season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the story goes, you know, he was at like 399.5, which would have rounded up to, to 400. And they had like a double header or something. And, and the manager gave him a chance to sit out and Ted, you know, Ted Williams like, screw that, you know, I'm playing. You know, if I'm if I'm a 400 hitter, I'm doing it the whole year. He went four for six in a doubleheader and turned the baseball park into a pinball machine. <laughs> you know, and he batted 406. And you know, this guy, he missed several seasons. He 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 missed it during you know World War II. He missed three years, 
and he missed a couple years during the Korean War. So his overall stats would have been even more amazing. And in my mind's eye, he's probably, I think he's the second best hitter in baseball history. I think you have to put Babe Ruth at the top simply because how, how he changed the game. But I think Ted Williams is right up there behind him. That that is a great uh, that is a great argument on that, and uh, you know just the fact that you were able to share those memories, you know, with your grandpa and how special that was to you, and you know it's it, it, you know it's the same thing with me on the Yankees side. It was a family thing, and this is where the common vein runs in it for us as snowmobilers and as friends. It's about family. It's about friends. Yeah. It's about. Um, having those conversations, ribbing each other. But at the end of the day, you love each other. It's fun. Right. Now, like back, you know, back when I was a, you know, a teenager, early adult, when my emotions would run higher over this stuff, you know, maybe you being a Yankees fan would have precluded you from being a friend of mine. Maybe it would (laughs) have. I don't know. But at the end of the day, my family, you know, I come from a line of Yankee friends, you know, Yankee fans. My you know, my dad's a Yankees fan and my uncles are all Yankees fans. And now we're just busting back and forth. But a really special thing was when the Red Sox finally broke through. In 2004. And, and won that, and especially the fashion that they did. Coming back three one, you know, three games of nothing three against the none. Yankees. With Mariano Rivera on the mound to close the thing out, I thought it was over. But we all know how that went. We oh, trust go- me. Trust me, as a Yankee fan, after two thousand one in Arizona with Mariano on the on the mound, yeah. I knew it wasn't over. As much as Mariano is one of the greatest closers of all time, oh, uh, oh I he, thought it was know, over. He, he blew. He he blew. He blew some saves. And uh, you know what the amazing thing is is here is how snowmobiling can turn to baseball. But yeah. you know what? When you're on the trails and when you're yeah. uh, sitting down and. Uh, you know, having conversation at the restaurant, that's basically how it goes. Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll bounce around not just from the ride, but to everything else, just about life. And that's what I love about this sport so much. Yeah, and the really the really special thing, just to get back to the Red Sox just one more oh, time. Oh, he's got he's got to get the ribbon in. I have to. He's got to get the ribbon It's not a rib. Okay. Um, in 2004, when the Red Sox finally broke through and, and we won the World Series, you know, I was li- firmly living up here and my my grandfather, I think he was, I don't know if he was at the Pine Haven Nursing Home or if he was back home at the time. I, I called him and I said, Poppy, man, we, we did it, man. We won. He's like, he's like, yeah, I know. And I said, I just want to tell you, I'm really happy that you got to see the Red Sox win the World Series in your lifetime. You know, that was something I always wanted for you because, you know, you got me to be a Red Sox fan. So, we, you know, we had that moment. And, and so, you know, the Cub fans got to experience it in 2016. They never thought that they'd see it in their, you know, lifetime yeah. after over 100 years. And that was so awesome to see as much as you hurt for the Indians. But then again, you know, I guess that's one thing in common is, is that you kind of hurt for them, you know, with the fact that they well, haven't I won relate. the World Series since, the 40, since 48. Yeah. But, you know, both of us being Yankees and Red Sox fans, we look at them as an arch nemesis. Right. <laughs> They're usually one of the games that, uh, you know, one of the series that we want to win during the summer. So enough talk about baseball. Uh, We're going to, you know, we're going to wrap up uh, this session of the, uh, you know, of the podcast here. And, uh, you know, that's one of the great things about snowmobiling is just the friendships, uh, you know, with, you know, with family, with friends and just 
um, being able to find common ground and uh, to be able to share experiences, to share life. And, uh, you know, Darren and I have done uh, so much of that on the trails over the last seven years. It's really been an awesome experience. We've had some epic rides together, and we'll share some more about mm-hmm. that in some future episodes. But, um, you know, this is the basis. Yeah. This is the base of how it all started. And, you know, regardless of where you are with, uh, you know, with your own relationships, if you got somebody that you're, you know, kind of struggling with or you don't want to talk to or they don't think you're going to forgive you or whatever, just encourage you to reach out because more often than not, you know, if there's if there's a hurt or if there's an issue with someone, more often than not, they just want to hear from you. And uh, it would be great to have that uh, restoration. Just a little bit of uh, life advice there from, uh, you know, Doctor Rich. Doctor Rich, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah this is the first, yeah, this is the first and last time that you'll ever hear that. So, <laughs> yeah, I I know uh, from from my experience with uh, snowmobiling and running IL snow is that I have met so many cool people. Um, a lot of them are just you know become just acquaintances. Others have become really dear friends that I would have not have ever met or have been aware of if it wasn't for, um, you know, snowmobiling or IL snow. And um, it's really uh, helped me, uh, help open me up, um, you know, once upon a time. I mean, if you're listening to me on this prod, this podcast now, you would never know that, you know, when I was a kid, I was really like painfully shy and I wouldn't even talk to anybody unless someone talked to me. So... I, I've, you know, I've come a long way through it and, and doing, you know, this, you know, the website and meeting everybody has really helped me out. So if there's, you know, something you like to do and it's just burning a hole in your heart, uh, give it a shot. It, it might help you grow. Absolutely. Hey, Darren, thanks so much. Uh, this was a great story to share and looking forward to sharing some more with you soon. All right. Got it, bro. Send it. for listening to the Trail Talk Podcast. For more podcasts, weather information, and snowmobile information, visit upstatesnow.com.